Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Exurgat Deus dissipentur inimici eius, et fugiancio derenteum apache eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli est opraecidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamor, duque princeps militae calestis, Santa maliosque spiritus maligniosque ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum vitrule. Amen. Cordiesu Sacratissimo, miserere nobis. Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sanctus Petrus Damianus, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvi erebus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> so this is actually my second attempt at recording this podcast. Um, the first one, I think I got a little too far afield. We're going to start with the confirmation that we have now that Father James Jackson is guilty. It was confirmed by the pillar, further confirmed um, with a little bit of commentary by Mike over at Restoring the Faith and the Crusade Channel on his show Parrot Talk. It's interesting to me because of all of the instances that I've seen of these types of crimes. At no point in Father Jackson's 60 years, 60 plus years of life, did he seem to give any indication to anyone, anywhere, of his propensity or his addiction. Now, this doesn't mean that there's something to absolve him. The fact is, is that the sins are objectively evil. The fact is, is that as a priest, he would have absolutely known that these sins are objectively evil. And so there's no amount of influence or coercion that could have absolved him of the culpability. But what is interesting is that I can't say that I've ever seen a case where unanimous public testimony 
says that he never gave any signs. <clears throat> I can tell you that the the experience with sin in my own life <clears throat> had signs. Now, the people that have known me throughout my life, they would say, well, yeah, you know, there was this, but... And that's the key thing. They would say, <clears throat> they would acknowledge the propensities that I had for my particular sins, but these other things would counterbalance it in their eyes. <clears throat> the other part that you tend to see with... Um, you know, particularly actually in the 90s, when people would talk about like serial killers, they'd be like, oh, you know, they seem like a nice, quiet person, this, that, and the other. And usually um, <clears throat> serious, heinous sins would also be accompanied by, you know, a propensity for being a recluse, for, be, for you know, secluding oneself away so that people wouldn't know. And the best I can tell is that Father James Jackson never actually had that opportunity because he himself was actually quite public. You know, he's a priest. None of his parishioners, no one who has ever received spiritual direction from him, seemed to have any inclination. <clears throat> In fact, I would say there was only one there was only one testimony from one person. Or maybe it was an accumulation of testimonies, but there was only one point where I would hear a word talking about Father James Jackson that did not necessarily mean that he was of impeccable character because he was described as always being professional. And professional, <clears throat> to describe someone as professional means typically Maybe there are things that you don't agree with. There's things that kind of stick out in your mind. But a person's overall conduct seems to call into question the any kind of negative assessment of their character. But I'd only actually heard that once. Everyone else said he was a great pastor. He was a great person. They didn't have any trouble trusting him with their children. Like, this is... <clears throat> This is where the difference actually comes into play. And you have to keep in mind that in the traditional orders, confession is the sacrament of confession, like the sacrament of reconciliation or penance, is a more common practice. You know, priests have to go to confession just like the laity do. And so it's kind of mind-boggling to me that Father Jackson would have a practice of going to confession woven in there. Now, I don't know what the exact requirements are, but I do know that a lot of the more traditional orders um, generally have an expectation that you go to confession once a month. And if Father Jackson never actually confessed anything related to this propensity, because if he did, there's no way that that doesn't, over time, sour people. And here's, and here's the reason why. 
a priest is not supposed to grant absolution without a firm purpose of amendment and to confess the particular crimes that Father Jackson is accused of, there would be a requirement somewhere in there for the priest to tell him that he was that he would have to do more than just confess it sacramentally. Now, to be sure, it is possible that Father Jackson's spiritual director and his confessor would have been to some degree or other, equally corrupted or consumed with a false charity, thinking that, you know, well, if he continues to go to confession, then maybe, you know, this thing will begin to work itself out. But in the traditional orders, in the Fraternal Society of St. Peter, in the Institute of Christ the King, in the Society of St. Pius X, um, you know, in all of those more traditional orders, the instruction is there. I've heard countless sermons from the priests of all of these orders saying that, you know, there is a point where you where you actually have to start to bite the bullet because if there is actually a crime, the priest is obligated to withhold absolution until restitution is made. So either he confessed it and the priest failed or he didn't confess it. And if he didn't confess it, then that means you know, over a course of, say, 10 years, if, we, if, if he's celebrating Mass every day, even if it's not like the full standard uh, element, but if he's celebrating Mass every day, and it's even if it's a private, you know, it's just him, he's committing sacrilege. He's receiving our Lord in a state of mortal sin. So over the course of 10 years, you're talking about in addition to his addiction, an additional 3,650 additional mortal sins. <clears throat> it seems difficult. Well, no, it's not, it seems. It is difficult for me to believe that there were no indications. And there were some additional pieces of information that came out, particularly, actually, um, <clears throat> Mike over at Restoring the Faith during his, uh, during his show on the Crusade Channel. He mentioned that Father James Jackson actually comes from money, which changes the dynamic in a lot of ways, because that means... He didn't need the contributions to actually be able to pay the legal fees. While he was on bail, he was staying at a, at, at, uh, with family in their $2 million home. Now, <clears throat> that suggests to me that there is, in fact, still more to the story. And I'm not talking about more to the story that provides exculpatory evidence. In fact, actually, this suggests to me that this story is probably worse. Not for, the, not for his parishioners, not for the people that he was guiding as a pastor and as a priest, because clearly, through some mechanism, 
he was able to conceal even the stains on his moral character that this transgression would present. <clears throat> what do I mean? We all know that sin darkens the intellect. And this is a particularly heinous sin that does not typically come to pass without some form of development. What do I mean? <clears throat> Father Jackson was found with images and perhaps videos of the most morally depraved kind. And that's not... You don't start there, okay? That's not where, where a pornography addiction starts. That's not where a sex addiction starts. A sex addiction and a pornography addiction starts mild. <clears throat> you have to... It, a, a person works their way building the relationship with this particular type of sin. So it'll start mild. It'll start actually as something that's fairly normal. It begins actually with the initial temptation. And then when you give in to the temptation, over time, in order to continue to, re in, in order to, continue to receive the same sort of uh, physiological elation, the temptation gets darker. So with, for example, with pornography addiction, it might be still shot images of nude people. And then it'll progress from still shot images of nude people. Actually, let's dial this back. It starts with still shot images of just beautiful people. Then those still shot images progress to nude images. Then you go from nude images to perhaps images in the act. And then the acts become more and more extreme. <clears throat> so, for example, it might start with, say, Maxim Magazine, and then progress from Maxim Magazine to Playboy, and then from Playboy to Penthouse, from Penthouse to Hustler, from Hustler, and then beyond. And it'll get progressively darker the longer the addiction is fed. What it doesn't start with is images of infants being raped. That's not where that starts. Infants being raped is at the end of that progression. <clears throat> actually, it's not even necessarily at the end of that progression. In all honesty, at the end of that progression is actually child murder. <clears throat> And just and mind you, this is actually just following the progression of pornography. We're not actually talking about uh, anything else, okay? But the stain from looking at beautiful people to images of child rape and child murder, that stain increases over time. 
Catholics understand that 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 progression of sin is a progressive darkening of the intellect so that the will becomes more and more formed to evil. And you don't get to where Father James Jackson is guilty of, to, to the sort of sins that Father James Jackson is guilty of, without a concomitant stain in his personal character and his personal relationships. <clears throat> and you certainly don't get there without some form of concealment. So we see the evil and wickedness that's going on in the world today, and all of the people who participate in those things, you can actually watch their progress. You know, in the 80s, the Democrat Party was not quite as evil as it is today. And I'm talking about the operatives. I'm not talking about everybody in the Democrat Party. <clears throat> so someone like <clears throat> John Podesta might, might be today in an extremely dark place. But in the 90s, I can guarantee he was not that far along. Likewise, with Tony Podesta or any of the big Democrat operatives who have been <clears throat> who have been proponents of these tremendously hellish policies, these policies have slowly become more and more hellish. If you go back to the 1990s, the average policy the average policy around the social order hadn't gotten nearly to the degree that it is today, and in fact. I do believe that if you asked your average Democrat, high-level Democrat politician in the 90s, those who have actually progressed uh, over time, so like if you ask, say, a Hillary Clinton today a question about sexual morality, her answer is actually going to be more severely wicked than it was in, say, the mid-2000s or in the mid-90s. And you could see a progression in those positions. And you could make the argument, well, you know, she's a politician. I don't actually believe that's the case because I have seen men, not exclusively men, I'm talking men in, like humans, <clears throat> progress to more and more wicked places in their lives. And when you get them at the beginning and you kind of do the analysis, you can see the progression in their character as they go more and more out of control and more and more insane. But for some reason, with Father James Jackson, those signs were not present. Now, it could be that 40 years ago, when he was just starting out, he was already as depraved as he is, and... <clears throat> just learned how to hide it and became a professional at hiding it. But there's a problem with that supposition as well. Because all sins have at their core pride. <clears throat> if you were to talk 
to say the average gay person in the 90s. They would say something to the effect of, I have a hard time believing in a God that would cast me out. They didn't just get there. That took time. Because they knew at the beginning that things were out of order. They didn't want to be out of order. And then at some point they cursed God for making, for quote unquote, making them out of order. And they, and they proceeded on from there. <clears throat> but the objection still starts with, if God is love, why am I broken? And over time, <clears throat> that development skews how they present themselves. You start at the beginning, and you work the way down, and what you see is an ever-increasing level of depravity. You also see an ever-increasing an ever level of obstinance. How is it that Father James Jackson was able to be a priest for as long as he was and not have that ever-increasing level of obstinance the more he fell and the deeper he fell? That is a question that actually needs to be answered. Because you can also further take, <clears throat> this is, and these are questions that are, like, I just kind of have to leave them out there. Because I don't have these answers. This whole situation with Father James Jackson, I think in part because I don't have as much information as I need, and, and probably in large part because I've never met the man myself. I never met him before the allegations. I didn't know him during the allegations, and I don't know him now. I've never spoken to him. We've never corresponded. I have only, the closest I've actually gotten directly to his case actually has to do with discussions with Mike over at Restoring the Faith Media, which at best makes it kind of a third hand because Mike at Restoring the Faith Media was convinced to open was convinced to get to do his part of it, of the involvement by Steve Cunningham over at Census Fidelian who personally knew Father Jackson who personally testified that there was absolutely no way who believed up until Father Jackson's confession that Father James Jackson was probably set up and given, the, and given the current state of government operations, obviously among traditional Catholics, that is a very, very likely thing. We look at it and we go, there's no way that they, like we have this priest of impeccable character and the feds have come after him for child pornography within three months of his arriving at a new location. What the heck? Where was the rest of this? How come this is only just coming out now? How is it that this person who everyone seems to perceive as a technological Luddite seems to know how to remotely transfer child pornography between computers without, you know, from, from, a, from a server to his computer without actually even being at his computer. How on earth does this happen? Now, part of the supposition that I had at the beginning of this, because, again, didn't know him, 
And so I was, the more simple argument was that this had to be a setup because someone who doesn't know how to work a, who can, you know, scare, doesn't own a smartphone, you know, is, has been testified. It has been testified about him that he's not technologically savvy. And yet somehow he does all of this work for the FSSP. He does all of this work for the parrot, for, for uh, the dioceses that he's assigned in. And then he gets transferred from Colorado to Rhode Island. And in nine and within three months of arriving at Rhode Island and the feds are at his door. It looked like a setup. Clearly, by his own testimony, it was not. Clearly, by his own testimony, this had been a long-term thing. And that's the part that raises some serious questions for me. Because I don't see how this could be a long-term thing. And comes out and says he was abused as a child. Okay, well, whatever. Honestly, I don't care. That's just an extra piece of information that is actually extraordinarily common to the point of actually becoming a trope. And it's become so much of a trope that in all honesty, when I hear somebody talk about it, I question it. But his statement, his statement of apology to his fellow priests, and, and this is the thing, <clears throat> there is still the slight possibility that all of this is actually being coerced. It's still there. The only reason why I'm willing to entertain the slight possibility that this is being coerced and that some of this is a setup is because the strings that are just kind of out there the biggest one for me is the fact that he somehow managed over the course of many, many years to perfectly conceal this. And I will tell you that everyone that I have ever come across, either directly or in passing, like where I just kind of see a situation, the signs were actually always there. So I don't see how from the outside looking at this and just doing the cold analysis of everything that's known about Father Jackson, how the signs were never there. That seems very, very odd. I meant to actually dive into the other part of this. Um, I did also say that either he, like, because this, there were two things that I said at the beginning. Given this circumstance, it was either a set, an, an elaborate setup by the federal government, or it was demonic. And to be perfectly honest with you, like, for someone to take that fast of a turn, I was of the opinion that we're, we're talking about a case of demonic possession. And it is distinctively possible that I was not far from that. Again, like I said, there's nothing that absolves Father Jackson of the conduct. I do believe 
we're as a society, we're not looking at the crime properly. This particular crime, the, 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 all of the crime, ever, all of the the assemblage that is the criminality of child pornography. I don't think we're looking at it properly. Why? Because Father James Jackson is not accused of making the child pornography. He's accused of having it. Now it's possible he's also accused of, of, of trafficking, it, trafficking it to other people. But at no point is he accused of making the child pornography. And this actually sticks like... <clears throat> this actually sticks in me very, very intensely. Because we talk about the people like, we've gone after, as a nation, our law enforcement agencies have gone after dozens and dozens and dozens of people who have possessed child pornography. But I've only heard a few, very, very few, in, in the last 40 years, I've only heard of a very, very few number of cases where the federal government has actually gone after the people who make the child pornography. See, because child porn is not a victimless crime. But we continue to get the people who are remotely complicit with the sin without going after the people who are directly complicit with the sin. All of this filth has to be coming from somewhere. So who's making it, and why are we not going after and killing them? Why is no one talking about going after and killing them? You know, everybody wants to know the Epstein client list, and rightly so, because the Epstein client list actually includes people who did have sex with minors. They are directly engaged in the sin. This isn't remote cooperation. This is direct engagement. And I do want to know who was, who was on that plane and who is guilty of those crimes. And those people need to be cast out of society. Or as Mike Parrott likes to say, millstoned and cast into the sea. In, into the sea. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
We go after people who use drugs. We go after people who sell drugs. We don't go after the people who make the drugs. At some point, you actually have to cut this whole thing off at the root. So we're going after the people who have the porn. We're going after the people who distribute the porn. But we never go after the people who make the porn. And you cannot tell me that we can't track these people down. You will not convince me that we can't track these people down. Especially not after the last couple of years. So why are we not extinguishing this at the source? Because assuredly I say to you that if we got rid of the source of the material, then those people who were addicted to the material will probably actually start making the material and becoming the source of the material themselves and thereby actually making it easier for us to eradicate this. Because now we're no longer going after the remote cooperators, we're actually going after the distributors, the people who are making it. The people who are directly involved with its creation and its release into the world. But we didn't do that in the drug war. And we're clearly not doing that in this war. And I think that's something to be considered. Because yes, he's guilty of these crimes. Yes, he's additionally guilty of a lot of deception. And I have a hard time believing that he's not guilty of decades worth of sacrilege. His principal apology had to do with the embarrassment that this caused to the Fraternal Society of St. Peter and to his fellow priests. And to be sure, I mean, that's, you know, that's a thing. But you're going to make, you're going to plead, you're going to plead that you have this addiction. And I'll tell you, it's not an easy addiction to fight. I mean, let's be real. The average man in the West has a pornography addiction. I know dozens upon dozens of people who were actually so engulfed in their pornography addiction, they don't even realize it's an addiction. In fact, the vast majority of people don't even understand that it is, in fact, an addiction that it needs to be treated like a drug addiction, that it has, that you have to actually approach it and excise it completely out of your life. And I know bunches of people who, who haven't even come to the point where they identify it, and in part, it's because we don't talk about it. But that is not the case in the Catholic Church. It's certainly not the case among traditional Catholics. Traditional Catholics are well aware of the fact that we need to be pure. Traditional Catholics are well aware that we need to excise this scourge out of our society. <clears throat> and so while, like I said, Father Jackson is guilty of these crimes, 
but Father Jackson's complicity with these crimes is still within the remote cooperation. His complicity in these crimes is roughly the same as those who thought that they absolutely had to take the COVID jab despite the fact that they knew that the jab was developed from aborted fetal tissue. This jab was developed from aborted fetal tissue. Babies died to develop the jab. And the consumption of child pornography, in addition to being the sins against oneself, the actual social transgression that actually has to be directly with the material itself, is still actually remote cooperation. There are intrinsic sins that have to do, obviously, with the self-abuse and with the lack of chastity, the lack of purity. And in addition with Father Jackson, his failure to observe his priestly vows in this manner. So it's not to absolve him of those sins, but the actual child pornography itself, the creation of it is someone else's sin. Just like the creation of the jab was someone else's sin. And by receiving the jab, you're remotely cooperating with it. And like I said, it's not to take away from the evils that he was committing on his own. Although he did a fantastic job, apparently, of hiding it. I gotta be honest with you, I think, like, there's a part of me that actually believes that he was a, he was a, an intel agency plant. Based on what I know about the intel agencies, it, it fits. Whether, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Central Intelligence Agency is actually the number one trafficker of, of minors. They're the number one trafficker of minors. They're the number one trafficker of child pornography. They're the number one trafficker of drugs. Because that's how you get the intel. You honeypot somebody. You get them to consume this dastardly evil material. Be it the pornography, be it the actual child sex, be it the, the drugs themselves. <clears throat> or you get, or in the case maybe not consuming the drugs themselves, but picking up as a distributor, and they get the leverage. And once they've got that leverage, they can get the, they can get the information that they're looking for. So the Central Intelligence Agency, and this is true of all intel agencies. So it was true of the KGB, it's true of FSB, it's true of Mossad, it's true of MI6, it's true of the Central Intelligence Agency, all of these agencies, in fact, are actually the number one traffickers in all of the in all of the wickedness that's in the world, be it drugs, pornography, sex trafficking, or or uh, child pornography. They are the ones who are actually trafficking most of this. So, if you're going to ask yourself why and how, because why am I going to go after somebody who's consuming the pornography when I should stop it at the source? Why am I going to go after somebody who's consuming the cocaine or the crystal meth when I should stop? the cocaine production and the crystal meth production at the source. Maybe I should stop the people who are committing the violence that is actually the distribution of all of this stuff, who are actually the ones who are purveying all this stuff. Maybe I should stop them before I go after the consumers of all these products. If I wanted to eliminate the COVID jab, 
I don't go after everybody who's getting the vaccine. I go after the pharmacies that are distributing it. And more than that, I go after the pharmaceutical companies that developed it and I shut them down. And that's what we're not doing. Pornhub, still operating. Pornhub, still distributing child pornography. You know, they've cleaned up a little bit here and there. They've sort of polished up their image, but they're still doing it. The company that owns Pornhub actually owns most of the pornography business is actually almost a monopoly, particularly on the internet. The pornography business is actually almost a monopoly. A lot of people don't realize this, but that is a fact. There is one company that owns a huge portion of the porn industry. And within those umbrellas, like within that umbrella of that one company that owns like the, the, the very large portion of individual pornography studios and their, and their, you know, and their assembly, assembly conglomerates. And nobody's shutting them down. They're still distributing the pornography. They're still, and it's not just regular pornography among supposedly consenting adults. They're still distributing the crime, the, the, the visual, the, the video production of crimes such as rape and molestation, they're still, they're still distributing all of that. And nobody has shut them down. Why? Could it be because the organizations that would are themselves involved in distributing things that are far worse? I would argue that that answer is yes. Because it's easier to go after the consumers of these things than it is to go after the, the, the creators and the distributors of these things. Which I don't understand why, because there are fewer creators and distributors than there are of consumers. In sheer math numbers, this can be solved with maybe, I don't know, two dozen police raids? And maybe we don't actually get them to trial, we just put a bullet in their head and be done with it. But if you happen to be a fan of trying to go through the kangaroo court that is the, the justice system, I don't know how you manage to do that, when the chances are very likely that all of the lawyers and all of the judges and all of the bailiffs and the corrections officers are equally invested in the, in the production and distribution of the pornography, not because they themselves are invested in the production of it, but because they are the consumers of it, they're equally invested in its continued existence. So I don't know if you caught it so far. Obviously, I'm on the side of eradicating all of this. 
obviously I'm on the side of destroying the people who do these things. For the sake of society, we do need to destroy these people. But that also means that we're going to have to can't we're going to have to actually disband all of the law enforcement agencies, especially the ones who are supposedly the enforcers of it because clearly they're not doing all that great of a job. Do you understand that the United States is actually the number one consumer of child sex trafficking? The child sex slave trade is in large part funded by the United States of America. Not, necessar not necessarily the government, but most definitely by the people who consume this stuff. You want to tell me this is a Christian nation? Well, then we got to act like it. And we're not. There are still the questions with regards to Father James Jackson as to why now. Why was the timing such as it was? <clears throat> well, look at the impact. We had the Summer of Shame with Cardinal McCarrick in 2019. Okay. There wasn't a very big... I mean, we had COVID, and so we were distracted from some of the bigger stuff that was going on in 2020. And then this happens in 2021. And it sent shockwaves across the traditional Catholic world. Now, organizations like Church Militant were gloating about it, effectively. I'm not saying everybody... And I said organizations. Not every individual was necessarily gloating about it. They were, you know, doing an appropriate job of wringing their hands and clutching their pearls about the whole situation. But Church Militant definitely had the buy-in for it. And given the fact that, you know, they got their major economic boom from Cardinal McCarrick, obviously the Father James Jackson story would, would have been, should have been, another cash crop. Because here's another traditional priest who's going down for this who's going down for this heinous crime. So I certainly see church militants' interest in this story. Even leaving aside the irony of the fact that the leader of church militant was living a double life during that entire time, I certainly understand that the outrage porn that church militant had become dependent on for their finances was definitely fed by a case like this with Father James Jackson. And they were disordered enough that when Mike Parrott came out and actually opened up the fundraiser to try and make sure that Father Jackson at least had the advantage of a fair day in court, I can certainly see the motivation as to why they went after him. And most of the people who reported on the story did the appropriate amount of, you know, hand clutch or uh, hand wringing and finger, uh, excuse me, and pearl clutching. They did the appropriate amount of finger wagging that see traditionalists, you have this problem too. It's not just in the Nova Sordo because, you know, God forbid we call out the problems of the things going on in the Nova Sordo church. 
well, you guys are just as dirty as us. Well, guess what? That's a sin of pride. Just saying that is a sin of pride. Because on the other side of the aisle are the people who were not actually terribly enthusiastic about preserving the church's patrimony and its history. Those people saw this opportunity. It was like, see, you guys got it too. You guys got it too. And by the way, for everyone, in all, like to be blunt, for everyone who's actually getting outrage, oh goodness, this priest and that priest, and our priests don't have it, your priests do. Or just because our priests have it doesn't mean that yours don't. I don't bloody well care. Someone who's thinking like that is not thinking about the salvation of their own soul. You're worried about the preservation of your own tribe, which is weird because we're all Catholic. We should not actually have tribes within the faith, but thanks to the spirit of Vatican II, to the, to the 1789 in the church, as declared by the proponents of all of the changes in the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council, that's what we have. We have a bunch of people who don't want to give up their personal sins because, and obvious, and I mean, let's be real, from a material, temporal, non-spiritual standpoint, you know, why would people in the Novus Ordo Church have to give up their sins? Their priests aren't. Their priests are just as actively engaged in the world and in worldly things, so why wouldn't they want to engage in more worldly things? Why not? And so when we go, hey, but that's not the faith, and they look at us and go, you can't tell us about the faith. Your priests are just as dirty as our priests, which is what they want because they're children of their father, the devil. And everyone, everyone who makes that kind of claim, well, it's just as dirty over there as it is over here. So, nah, that's not Catholic. It doesn't matter that another member of my church is just as filthy as I am. What matters is, are they working out their salvation with fear and trembling? And if we all get to be united in heaven, then glory, to be, then glory be to God in His mercy, because all of us deserve to burn. But you don't become more holy by not being held accountable. You don't, come be, you don't become more holy by slinging mud at the other side as soon as you get an, a chance to throw a rock at their glass house. You become more holy by having the decency to maybe take a look at your neighbor's glass house and go get a can of spray paint to conceal their nakedness. to cloud up the windows so you don't see every grubby little detail. And remind them, hey boss, your house is made of the same glass my house is made of. And I don't know about you, but I'm at least going to put some curtains out. I'm at least going to exercise some personal 
spiritual discipline. Because I'm going to be blunt. If Father James Jackson never actually does the penance that he needs to do and never actually reconciles himself properly, he's going to the same hell I am if I don't reconcile myself properly. And he's going to the same hell you are if you don't reconcile yourself properly. So for all the people who are using this as an excuse to stay saddled in your mire, I really desperately want to use a more explicit word than mire. If you're going to use this as an excuse to stay filthy, well then whatever, man. I'll pray that you repent, but if you don't, you did it to yourself. Because I see this, this opportunity to look at this case a little bit more closely and find out the details of how he was able to conceal this so well. How was it that he managed to deceive so many people for so long? It doesn't seem normal. Part of me thinks he had help. Because I will also tell you that when you look into the cases of demonic obsession and oppression, or excuse me, demonic obsession um, and like the severe temptations and even all the way to the point of possession, there's chaos in that. And for all intents and purposes, the best I can tell, Father Jackson, aside from this thing, managed to live a life that appeared to be completely in order. And I don't get how that works. That's wild. Probably be a good idea to pray for him. Because he's in a spot. be a really good idea to pray for all of the people who knew him. Because a fall like this is actually enough to shake some people's faith. That's only natural. Might not be the worst idea to maybe throw a prayer out there for whoever might have helped him conceal it. Either from the confessional Or any other way. Because no matter how you slice this thing, the danger to souls, the souls, not just the victims who were portrayed in the, in the digital media, but the souls who were involved in and around Father James Jackson. Because apparently he was in the military, Apparently he comes from money. Apparently there were a lot of things we didn't know about Father Jackson. Because i got to be perfectly honest with you, if I'd have known that he came from, from a wealthy family, I probably would not have contributed to the, to the fundraiser. Just being, Just putting that out there. 
there's more to pray on and for in this situation than I think a lot of people know. And I still don't know Father Jackson. And after all of this, in all honesty, I don't care to. I do want to know the nature of how that, because this is an embarrassment. This is not normal. People who fall to this level usually have something, <clears throat> some indicator, some red flag. <clears throat> And by all accounts, Father Jackson had none. And that should be actually more concerning. Not necessarily to the people, to the average person, but to the people who need to help these situations. Because everything about this case makes it look like all of this came out of the blue with no precursor anywhere. And that, that violates the law of non-contradiction. So either there were signs and people covered it up, or there's something else here. No matter what, pray for the church, pray for the nation. Pray for all of us in Catholic social media. This story was shocking to me. It would, the, the overall story wasn't shocking to me. Finding out that he was rich and nobody knew it, that he came from money and nobody knew it, that was a stunner. I did not know he was in the military either. That. That part really didn't surprise me so much. <clears throat> but that, combined with the fact that he was from money, tells me that he's actually from a completely different background. And that also tells me that there are people that there were signs and somebody covered it up. Because you don't get to where he was without giving off the signs. And the people who covered it up it might be of an it might be of interest to actually know these people who they are because they're dangerous perhaps more dangerous than father jackson himself this is Caleb the mechanic with radio for catholic may god bless you and the virgin protect you in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti amen Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.